Welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron. Good morning, folks, and welcome, everyone, to uh, T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technology, your host, Jose Negron on Voice America on the Variety Channel every morning at 9 o'clock uh, Pacific Central Time or 12 o'clock East Coast Time. I am extremely excited today. Uh, first of all, I have uh, brought back uh, Mr. Sal Fish. I've known Sal now for over uh, 16 years, and uh, it's just a pleasure to have him on the show. I'm going to tell you a little bit about our audience first, though. I want to do a shout-out to uh, our international audience that keeps uh, increasing, and especially the folks out in Ireland. Uh, The numbers just keep uh, going up, and I really appreciate it. I think the important thing about the T3 show is uh, uh, the folks who listen to it, who are either techie guys who want to know more about the technology, and what's happening in the technology, as well as the non-techie guys. And that's the beauty about this show. So if you want to keep up, uh, I recommend you call into the show, ask questions, 866-472-5788, or email me at todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. As I said, today's program is Off-Road Racing fun to be racing and i can tell you right now our guest today is mr sal fish former ceo of score international the premier off-road racing company in the world uh, like i said i've i've broken down the show into three segments we'll talk about sal's early uh start in his career off-road experiences and we'll talk about some of the challenges he faced as he grew the company second we'll talk about uh the top technology and innovation both from the off-road and, of course, our relationship as we got started for the DARPA Grand Challenge. Uh, Sal's one of those lucky p- persons that was able to do all three uh, Grand Challenge, the 04, the 05, and the 07. And so he has a very unique perspective. And finally, we we'll talk about the future of cars and, and off-road racing and the technology that's built there. And uh, I, I cannot wait to get in there. But let me give you a little bit of uh, bio. Uh, as I said, I've known Sal for over 16 years. We first started working together in the DARPA Grand Challenge. Uh, it was around 2002, 2003 that I began to approach uh, Mr. Sal Fish to come work at uh, DARPA, and we'll go through that. But uh, the bottom line is he is the premier uh, off-road person that I've ever known. He, he was former president of Score International, uh, currently enjoying life and retirement, but he still promotes the off-road racing. He is in the Hall of Fame uh, after 40 years promoting the sport. And more importantly, he is just charismatic, uh, a good friend, and I know you're going to enjoy the show. So uh, welcome, Sal to the show. Welcome to T3, and I'm looking forward to asking you questions and getting your answers. Hey, Jose, it's always a pleasure uh, to talk to you, and uh, thank you very much for the nice introduction. And, uh, you know, we've had some great uh, moments together that have stretched into years, actually, and uh, I think it's outstanding that our friendship turned into exactly that as opposed to a business or a uh, challenge, so to speak, with the DARPA challenge and then 
what we've both been doing over the years for the past basically 20 years. It's been just great, and I'm excited to be on this show. Yes, when I first uh, got introduced to you or first started researching about Score International and off-road racing, of course, I was uh, tagged to begin looking at the uh, the 2004 DARPA Grand Challenge, the autonomous vehicle race from Las Vegas, or I should say Los Angeles to Las Vegas. And at that time, no one really knew what that meant other than we're going to have driverless cars and how we were going to get it through, you know, uh, 15 North all the way up to uh, Las Vegas, close to Las Vegas Boulevard, and, and so on and so on. And uh, finally, we uh, brought you back to the East Coast, asked you if you wanted to participate in that. And uh, we'll get, what was your reaction to that just quickly and briefly for the audience because it had to be a shock well uh, jose as you know when i received that first phone call in my office um and there's a gentleman on the phone that uh said hey uh i'm very interested in talking to you about autonomous vehicles uh i'm with darpa and i actually thought uh that it was a friend of mine just to put a bluntly yank in my chain because uh first of all i had no clue what autonomous meant, nor how to spell it, nor DARPA, to be honest with you. And I thought the guy was just kidding. And then finally, he explained what the program, what they thought the program was about. And uh, it was very, very exciting and interesting uh, to hear what they were thinking about at that time. And I naturally said, I'd love to be involved uh, in any way I can. I didn't realize that it would turn into uh, what it did, though. I'll tell you that right now. And, and the best thing about it was that you became uh, involved with it. And I think because of your relationship and with DARPA, it really cemented our relationship with the off-road community. I, thought it, I think it brought the, the program like Dr. Tether originally wanted, out to the forefront a lot faster than it could have with the traditional way that DARPA would have handled it. Yes, we went, um, we started uh, normal tradition is contract work out to the folks who do government work. Uh, the purpose of the Grand Challenge is not to do uh, contracting, but to reach out and build the fill the dreams. And that's what uh, uh, um, Sal uh, Fish and his uh, team of SCORE, I'm going to call them engineers, grease monkeys, and all endeavors because we had a, a full cast out there that helped us build that uh, the first route and discussion of first route. A little-known fact uh, for the first Grand Challenge is that we had a fit bill or have ready to implement 15 different routes, and that's something that no one really understands today. We were out there, you know, uh, from the announcement uh, at DARPA Tech uh, with Dr. Tether in 2002 to the Participants Conference in 2003 to the actual event 2004. But let me take us a little bit back, uh, Sal. Uh, you, you're a California guy, raised, born uh, there in California, went to school there, uh, but uh, you graduated and, and you went to a magazine. Can you describe that lifestyle before you jumped into the off-road? Certainly, you know, um, I did, uh, I have a Jesuit education. I went to a Catholic grammar school, Jesuit high school, Loyola in Los Angeles, then to the University of San Francisco. My dad had an automotive repair shop in Los Angeles, and he, I have three brothers. He didn't want any of us to be ma mechanics. He wanted us to all get an education and do something other than, uh, you know, following in his footsteps. Unfortunately, uh, after I graduated, I decided that I wanted to go down and help him out, and I worked as a uh, 
his assistant at a, at a garage for about three and a half, four years. I met some people uh, while I used to go body surfing every Sunday at uh, Hermosa Beach, and one of them was the publisher of a Peterson magazine called Carcraft, which is a drag base drag racing magazine and at that time he he needed an ad salesman he says you know you don't want to be a mechanic you'd make a great ad salesman well, i didn't know what an ad salesman really was he said i'll teach you and uh, my off-road or let's say my automotive career really jumped as a result of the, result of that because of peterson publishing peterson owned uh, the largest uh, network of specially interest magazines, including Hot Rod, Motor Trend, Guns and Ammo, Flying, Surfing, Teen. And I started off as an ad salesman, uh, worked my way from the ad salesman of Carcraft to the ad, ad salesman of Hot Rod, then became the publisher of Carcraft, then the publisher of Hot Rod Magazine. And during that time, I basically traveled the world going to special interest events around automotive uh participation and I really became really engulfed in the automotive scene. That, that is fantastic because uh, I know that's a special story because uh, that's got you started looking at uh, going back to uh, three and a half years as an auto mechanic with your dad. Uh, I knew the magazine history uh, and, and being publisher, a different uh, lifestyle as you and I talked about, you know, uh, ca- uh, traveling a lot. And then, of course, uh, and, and seeing the world from a different uh, executive perspective. Uh, privileged uh, world, I would say. Then you entered, uh, uh, you, what got you started in the off-road? What, what, what was the bite that uh, took you away from the magazine business? Well, actually, you know, back, you've got to remember, we're going back to 19, uh, the early, mid-60s, and off-roading was kind of a, a Wild West-type affair. There wasn't an off-road industry at that time. People were taking uh, Volkswagen sedans like the uh, VW Bug and ripping the body off of them and doing some work to the chassis and uh, beefing up the Volkswagen engine, going out and playing at places like Guayamas, which is in Southern California, or Pismo Beach, or uh, doing something really adventurous, maybe going down to the Baja Peninsula, which was really, at that time, pretty undiscovered. Uh, There was one main road that went from Tijuana to the tip, Cabo San Lucas, but it wasn't your normal, uh, let's say, Sunday drive. And um, I had the opportunity uh, to have our magazine uh, cover the first organized event, which was in 1967, put on by an organization called NORA, National Off-Road Racing Association. It was a very loosely knit group of guys that decided, why don't we go down and see if we could go from uh, the border to the tip and, you know, uh, form some kind of a record. And there was about 30, 40 guys the first year that went down, and we did a story on it. And uh, naturally, I went down to see what was going on, and people like James Garner and Steve McQueen, uh, for whatever reason, uh, thought that was a great challenge, and they went down and, and raced in that race. I fell in love with the peninsula, with the people of Mexico, and with the uh, adventure and the, I would say, on the edge of what I saw off-road racing. It wasn't as organized, let's say, at that time as USAC or NASCAR or drag racing. It was more of a participation of just a bunch of guys that wanted to do something different. And that was the seed that started me off, and that was in 67. 
Uh, I met Mickey Thompson, the late Mickey Thompson, who uh, we would do stories about in the magazines because he was an automotive, uh, you know, land speed record holder and a real innovator in all kinds of things. And he raced right. in the event. Um, I had the opportunity to race in the 1969-70 events, and that really hooked me. Mickey decided that uh, we ought to start a company because the company that uh, had started Off-Road Racer was asked to leave by the Mexican government. Then the Mexicans put on a race in 1972, I believe it was, and it was a total disaster. So myself and Mickey Thompson went down. We were introduced to the governor of Baja at that time. We started a company called SCORE uh, in 1973. I left without a doubt the most premier <laughs> job in the world uh, with Peterson Publishing Company as publisher of Hot Rod to start this new um, organization called SCORE. And uh, I really was... Uh, I think I was a little naive. I didn't realize what it really takes to start a company from scratch that, you know, no one even knew what you were talking about. And through the hard work of Mickey and myself and uh, a lot of people that just were volunteers at the time, uh, I was able to purchase a score from Mickey before he and his wife were tragically murdered. And, uh, you know, it really, uh, in looking back, I, I, of those 35, 40 years, I've got to say every day I got up and I wasn't sure if my life was a, a comedy or a tragedy, but I certainly knew <laughs> that it was going to be an adventure every day. Well, I know I've uh, got the ch- chance to flight follow you and, and live, uh, uh, you know, setting up the uh, races with you uh, at Baja. In fact, that's one of the reasons I was so intrigued on how you ran a race, how you operated a race behind the scene. And I was so privileged that uh, you you really opened up your doors and says, come on, Colonel, let's follow me. Let me show you everything. And 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 you, you have to make it fun. And, and every day you got up, as you said, uh, to make uh, the that particular race, whether it was the 500, 250, or the 1,000, the best race out there, and uh, getting the best people that you could possibly have and the best uh, racers. So I, I really want to thank you about that. But more importantly, as you mentioned, you just loved it. You loved getting up in the morning and going out there and charting that uh, race course. Uh Talk about some of those challenges, just getting that race course ready. Well, you know, uh, Colonel, actually, when you, when you look at it, I, I never saw it as a job. It was a, a passion and a way of life for me. It was seven days a week. It was what I really was consumed in because it was, you know, we were, I was almost like a pioneer, uh, Mickey and myself, because you, you were taking bold steps in a foreign country, making rules and regulations for the sport of off-road racing, encouraging people to develop products that could compete in Baja, and we realized we had something really uh, at the time that was uh, lacking. There was an adventure of spirit here. It wasn't like going to a, a race on Saturday or Sunday and sitting in the bleachers and watching cars go left-hand, uh, make left-hand turns. We were creating this uh, almost like when the pioneers and covered wagons came from the east coast to the west coast. We were going to the border of California to the tip of the Baja Peninsula and in vehicles and motorcycles that, you know, no one even knew what they were. So I, I'm sure even today some of your listeners might not really understand the sport of off-road racing or the adventure, but I 
I will bet you every one of them has heard the name Baja 1000 and, you know, said, oh, this is this crazy event that happens down in Mexico. Well, it was it was crazy, and I think my responsibility was to keep it on the edge but safe and open it up to as many classes as possible so that a guy spending $5,000 or, you know, $10,000 or a quarter of a million dollars could have the same fun and excitement uh, in competing in this event. And as you said, you know, you came down, and I think, to me, that was one of the most exciting things to have you. You didn't follow me around. We went side by side and seen why and what we were doing because you you were building the foundation at that point to put on this event that uh, DARPA was looking for. And as we both remember, you know, DARPA at that time was not really, I don't think, in favor of getting a lot of exposure, so to speak. It was my impression that you guys were doing things in that black-windowed building. Uh, uh, (laughs) At the time, it wasn't uh, important that the general public knew about it until whatever you created was, you know, shown that it was worthwhile and it was something to do. Well, Dr. Tether's idea was we need to have some hoopla and we need some sizzle on the stake. And I think that's how they found score and me. And, uh, you know, when, when you told me, hey, you know, this is the government, uh, come up with some ideas. We want to have something, you know, really unique that we're talking about the first time out of the box. And if you'll remember, I thought, well, okay, this is the government. I could do whatever we want to do. And I was thinking of closing uh, International State uh, 15 that goes from Las, Ve- La- Los Angeles to Las Vegas and putting the vehicles on there. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, that, we were dreaming big, for sure. And we were dreaming big. No, it's uh, we've got a couple minutes left here, uh, but you're absolutely right. I mean, from a DARPA Grand Challenge 2004, we were really down to about, uh, you know, whether we wanted to publicize or not. Everybody was a little hesitant about the Grand Challenge. We took that on, but you're, the theory of hey let's make it fun let's make it i remember you said we got to create a circus atmosphere on this so that the guys have fun coming out here and that's what you helped me build and and your team and i cannot stress that enough uh your vice president paul fish uh your nephew great job and and uh let's talk a little bit about paul's responsibility you got about 20 seconds but overall he 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 drove the crew well, you know, how lucky can you be when you have a, a family member that is exciting and enthusiastic as I was to join me at SCORE? And he brought a, a very professional, because he uh, was a attorney, although he didn't practice law in uh, California, he got his degree in Connecticut, but he fell in love with what I was doing and came to work with me prior to the DARPA challenge. And I think he was so instrumental in because of his personality and the way he handled himself with dealing with the DARPA-type people. you got to remember that during this time, I was putting on five or six races, you know, three yeah, out of the yeah. country and the rest in California so, and Nevada and Arizona. So, that, so it was, it was a challenge. Save that thought there, Sal. Let's, let's go ahead and go to our commercial break. Save that, and we'll come around. Uh, we're talking about off-road racing, fun to be racing. We'll see you in a minute.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Our humanity is a thing we take for granted, but it takes many forms, and it requires much of us to fully express it. Listen to On Living, the trauma and beauty of being human with host Dr. Leanne Nguyen. This program will explore topics about survival, fulfillment, hope, connection, being fully alive to ourselves and to others. Guests are people whose life experience inspires us to reflect on these questions. Tune into On Living, broadcasting live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories, too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to today tomorrow's technologies to reach the program today please call in to 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or send an email to today tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com now back to our show okay hey folks you're listening to t3 our show today is about off-road racing and fun to be racing and i have a special guest uh, an expert in off-road racing uh mr sal fish former ceo for score international a premier off-road racing company in the world and sal has uh 40 years inducted in the hall of fame for off-road racing so uh sal Welcome back. Well, the first period, we talked a little bit about your uh, initial career into uh, uh, off-road and, 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 and motorsports, and we talked a little bit about your education. We, we finished off with Paul, your nephew, being the vice president and coming in and helping you manage uh, the uh, really uh, run the DARPA Grand Challenge, at least from the route development per- perspective. One thing we wanted to do, though, is keep that DARPA Challenge as a circus or uh, an atmosphere of fun and you certainly helped us do that can you continue on that discussion and and what surprised you the most well you know i think the the important thing for your listeners to understand that um you know score we already had what we called uh, let's say the grease monkeys we had the mechanics and the, and the families and kids and stuff that were 
automotively orientated, and they were creating uh, vehicles, motorcycles and four-wheel vehicles, to challenge the Baja terrain, which included, you know, desert, mountains, dry lake beds, uh, uh, 130 degree to, uh, to rain, forests, uh, you, you name it. It's a great peninsula. Uh, what DARPA and what the techie uh, group had were kids and professionals that understood technology as far as uh, lasers and things of that nature and all these things that I had never even heard of before. And I think Dr. Tether's original concept, which you took uh, from that to bring me into the thing, was let's marry the grease balls with the tech guys because we're already building these vehicles that we know will last. They could go over terrain. And, and we got to remember, what was the concept? Why did we even want to, why did DARPA even want to do this? The whole idea was to save our armed forces' lives, uh, you know, in, in an engagement in, in some country that we didn't have young people sitting in fuel trucks or, or convoys and getting blown up. We needed to come up with some great idea. And that was DARPA's uh, challenge and Dr. Tether. And I feel honored that that basic premise uh, started off the way it did. And we were able to marry, marry the geeks and the greaseballs together. And how do we, you know, how did we do this? And, and I'll tell you, Colonel, if it wasn't for your, I think, enthusiasm and your 24-hour work ethic uh, with me together, I don't think this thing, I hate to tell Dr. Teller, but I don't think it would have come together. And here we are today, you know, at 2000, what is it, 18, and look 18. at the auto industry. It's a direct result of what DARPA and Dr. Tether and all the group at DARPA and SCORE really uh, started off coming. All these cars that are, you know, parking themselves, driving by themselves and all this stuff. It's a direct result. Yeah, I think uh, more importantly, you you had the foundation or the off-road racing community had the foundation. You uh, what you created was a sizzle at the uh, you know at the uh, uh, um, at the race itself, which I was very attracted to because it it brought the enthusiasm we needed. But from a technology perspective, when you look at the classes of vehicles you had, from motorcycles to dune buggies to you know to all the way up to the trophy truck. And then you'd look at the various components, the wheels, the the shock observers, the the way the uh, the uh, constructed the vehicles together. Whether there was a one man driver or two man driver, or uh, sometimes no driver, uh, depending on where the vehicle got stuck. Uh, so and and the terrain, the terrain was uh, exactly uh, an Iraqi or Afghanistan terrain. So that that brings up a lot of memories for me. Uh, but more importantly, you know we. Tra- Transferred. Uh, I ask you, who's your, uh, who is a, who's a guy can build us the chase vehicle? And you pointed to Glenn Harris in his auto shop there, or uh, and, and he did a fantastic job. And some of that technology ended up going to the Marine Corps for purchases. So there's a lot of technologies that were uh, gathered from the off-road. Uh, can you name a couple others that you can remember? Well, you know, that's a very good point. You know, there were so many things going on, as you know, between uh, me flying back to where you were, you flying back to here to to firsthand meet racers and some of our our sponsors and things of that nature, and then spending all the time you mentioned earlier on in the show. You know, I thought at the beginning there were so many things that I just didn't understand about the real program, and I think – 
I wasn't the only guy that didn't understand it because, again, you guys were pioneering something, and we were we were making rules and regulations as we went along. But we spent I can't imagine how many months and hours and days out in the Nevada and California desert looking for different ways that we could challenge these vehicles that we were going to put out on the desert floor. And uh, you know, when you when you say that, it sounds oh well, you got this big desert, no big problem. But you know, we had to deal with the environment. Environmentalists, with private agencies, with tribal uh, communities, it was a challenge. It wasn't just uh, you know finding a route. It was finding a route and then doing all the things necessary uh, that the government required to get the permission to run on it, and then. You compound that with you didn't want just one route. You guys had to have, you know, a dozen of them because once the plan, you know, really took an effect, no one could know what route we were going to do because, you know, they couldn't do any GPS or hey, it was very complicated. I'll tell you, <laughs> it was a learning experience for all of us. And, and you know what? We learned, <laughs> you know, we, we certainly it happened and, and, and it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. When I look back at 2004, I mean, we moved somewhere between, uh, by the time we left, uh, at the time, the concept was to leave uh, Disneyland, drive up to the Fontana Speedway, and from Fontana to Barstow, and then Barstow to the Prim, and then finally into Las Vegas, uh, based on the, uh, uh, you know, the traffic and the uh, that we could not just turn off. We decided it's, it's wise men better go to the Fontana Raceway, go to Barstow, and then stop it at Prim and call it quits there. But uh, you you said something very important, and that is the fellowship. Uh, I can remember uh, the most important thing to me that I remember out of the event, other than the technology that was developed. I mean, you got Anthony with the the bicycle or the motorcycle. Why did he choose the motorcycle? When he studied the Baja, what, who was the fastest runner in the Baja? Were the motorcycles? So he developed the Anthony uh, developed the motorcycle. We had the large trucks to deal with the the berms there, and I learned a lot about the berms. When your wheels get hot, <laughs> you touch it. Uh, guess what? You get flat tires out of that. But I will tell you, I hated the desert when I started, uh, you know, being an Air Force guy. But uh, you taught me that at seven o'clock in the morning, uh, early morning, it's a beautiful place. And at six o'clock, when we were trying to roll back in with a couple more hours of uh, just driving time back to the road, it was a beautiful place. So it, it was very interesting on that aspect. Well, you know, so I, uh, Colonel, you, you had mentioned the, the fact in which sometimes, you know, there was so much going on at the time with that. I mean, it really, uh, I, reflecting back now, because, you know, I'm, we all both had to do what we had to do to go on with our own lives. But, you know, not only did this finding the route and, and, and the administrative and, and the plan of how the day when it actually happened, how we were going to go through the days and how many days we needed and how do we control crowds and things of that nature. But unbeknownst to me at the beginning, we developed, you know, what, 30 uh, vehicles that ha were, yeah. I'm going to call them chase vehicles that had to have a DARPA official and a government official and a score, a driver uh, yeah. that followed the bots or whatever the heck we're going to call them now uh, in 2018, because in case something went wrong, they were able to stop it. You know, I mean, that, that in itself was a, a, a monumental challenge, developing the vehicles to make sure that they wouldn't break going over this terrain, because if they did, that was the end of that 
entry, so to speak, and right, all the electronics yeah. and things that had to go into those. I mean, it was amazing. You know, really, when you go back and look at all the things that were necessary to get to the point for that last event and do what DARPA did, it was just spectacular. No, and, uh, you know, I, I always credit uh, the team because it was the team effort. You know, you take a look at uh, Tom Stratt, who took care of most of the technical stuff. Uh, Paul Fish, who took care of most of the writing. You and I, who who went around looking at, is this going to pass uh, the test initially when we brought uh, Dr. Tether out there? And, and, and changes were done, you know. We, were, we, we had uh, highway crossing and highway closing. Anyway... That was uh, the DARPA uh, 2004 challenge, grand challenge, and it was a point-to-point, 15 different routes, and, uh, of course, uh, we selected one. The difference with, uh, of learning in 2005 was we kind of kept it a little bit simpler, uh, what you said about it. What is the big difference between the 04 and 05 uh, event that you remember? Well, you know, we... We, well, first of all, there were things that we had to do. Remember at the racetrack? I mean, the, and one of the things that I think was fortunate for DARPA, I must uh, say, is the fact that the connections that I had had through the Peterson days and then the off-road days to be able to walk into a Fontana Raceway and talk to the general manager, Les Richter at the time, who I did business with at Riverside Raceway prior to him going to Fontana and tell him that we wanted to take over his racetrack and then we had to build things on the racetrack so that it would uh, block the signals, whatever were coming from uh, radar, whatever it is, I'll never forget, you guys had us build that tunnel overnight, remember? Right, and, right. And, so, and, and that was, those were things that were had to be created to simulate situations that would happen in a, in a let's say, a, a, a war-type deal that these vehicles, if they're set out there, nothing would, would block the... Um, technology that would get them from A to B. And so we created that, we being DARPA and SCORE uh, and all the people that were working with DARPA at the time at a racetrack. And then we had to make sure that we'd pack up the vehicles and all the chase vehicles there from Fontana, drive them to Slash X, which is outside of Barstow, California. And we took over that country western bar, yeah. if you'll recall, and, and turned it into, you know, a, a, a DARPA headquarters almost. It, it was craziness going on. And for those people who uh, know a little bit about Slash X, I love Slash X. It is the, uh, um, it's very special in my heart because it was an old uh, uh, wagon train uh, stop, a Pony Express stop, a biker's bar. So throughout the years, it, it changed and evolved. And during the DARPA uh, Grand Challenge 2004, became the centerpiece of you're having these uh, horses, you have these new vehicles, and then you have the futuristic uh, autonomous vehicles there. So you had all, all three kind of generations of vehicles there. But the 05, as we moved towards the 05, uh, Sal, uh, we changed it a lot. We learned a lot because, as you said, we had to move about 5,000 to 6,000 people from Fontana to Barstow, Barstow to Prim. We learned that, hey, let's not do that t- three times let's just do it once and so the (laughs) 05 event started off in prim and finished in prim 
Yeah, and, you know, again, uh, I had the relationship because we were putting on a race at the Prim Properties, which, as you know, there are three properties there. was uh, Whiskey Pete's, uh, the Prima Donna, and Buffalo Bills, you know, exciting casinos. And we took over that whole section of their property, Gary Prim, the family that owned uh, the uh, uh, hotels at that time, was a good friend of mine. And uh, we were able to do that, and we built a command center there. I mean, we turned that into, you know, a, a spectacular uh, command center with all of the, the equipment and the things that DARPA uh, had to do to make this happen. It, you know, I mean, it, it was really a phenomenal event. In fact, uh, I look, look back, and it almost looked like a combination of a um, <clears throat> Spielberg movie, from the standpoint of, excuse me, a, a Mad Max movie with these unusual looking events and then just incredible high tech, uh, uh, things that were set up in giant trailers and antennas and it, it was something to be seen, really. No, it changed uh, the lifestyle of anybody who was there that we touched. And uh, we've got about two minutes. Let's talk a little bit about 07. 07 is a little bit different now that we've proven that we can go point to point. And naturally, in 04, no one finished, but we had five vehicles go over five miles. In 05, we had several vehicles that finished the event. Uh, and in, in 07, the same thing. We had several vehicles that finished, more of a city driving type capability. What did you think? Think about the 07 as we began to mature the technology and you saw vehicles um, kind of uh, not bump into each other, but slow down and, and give the right away. We have about a minute left before our next break. Well, you know, uh, again, the, the thinking that I'm sure Dr. Tether knew, you know, in his mind where it had to end or where it had to uh, evolve to, which I certainly wasn't that advanced to be able to think that way, was take it from this point-to-point event, which started in Prim, Nevada, and went on one of our race courses, I think it was 134 miles, and came back to Prim. And then the real challenge, we need to put these vehicles in a city atmosphere with almost pedestrians and other traffic and stop signs and see how they perform. And believe me, when you guys told me that's what our next challenge was, I I, I thought, <laughs> I said, wait a minute, I don't know what these guys are smoking back there, but there's something wrong with this. We're, these we're, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it was a challenge, but every one of them uh, created a, a new challenge, a new adventure. Uh, folks, we're listening to uh, Mr. Southfish, uh, former CEO of Score International, premier off-road racing company, and uh, Sal's been inducted to the Off-Road Hall of Fame, and, and he has the fortunate part of being in the DARPA Grand Challenge 04, 05, and 07, and a unique perspective. We'll be back after uh, our commercial break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs. 
and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Divorce or domestic family issues can take their toll not only on the adults who are party to it, but also to their children. Sometimes separation or divorce are far better solutions than staying around a toxic relationship. Now there's a show that listens and provides solutions. Listen for Reclaiming Your Life with host Don Christensen. In this program, we discuss family crisis issues which can happen to anyone. Divorce with dignity is possible, and working together can achieve wonderful results. Listen Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. In fitness and health, we all deserve a second chance. Join host Michael Skog for the program, You Only Stronger. You always have the ability to start fresh, even if you slip up on your diet or fitness program. Even small steps taken throughout the day can help. Each show will conclude with weekly assignments that you can use and will want to hear your feedback. You Only Stronger airs live Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to today, tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks. This is your host, Jose Negron, uh, talking about T3 show. Our discussion today is off-road racing. Fun to be racing, and I cannot be more delighted to be speaking to Mr. Sal Fish, uh, former CEO of Score International, uh, a Hall of Famer, 40 years in the business, and a premier off-road racing company that he developed. Uh, Sal and I were uh, reliving really uh, off-road racing, uh, where he put on the uh, uh, the 250 Baja 250, 500, 1,000, uh, many other races in in the U.S. But concentration in the Baja, and also his involvement in the Grand Challenge, the very first one, 2004, 2005, and 2007. We were just talking about the adventure of uh, uh, driverless vehicles and stopping in a city environment with pedestrians and so forth and so on and uh, could it really be done so sal i'll turn to you you know from the 2004 or really 2002 when we first approached you uh and made the announcement decided that we we're going to do this grand challenge decided we we're going to have driverless cars uh there's really one scenario that really to me culminated possibly two uh that culminated uh one was going to visit the la power and light company you and i were coming back from ensenada got a call and says you must come to get approval to do the off-road racing you and i looked at each other and says that we've got to go even though we had other instructions uh we went to brief the uh, the safety brief that i've developed and you're absolutely right without your connections and your um i guess premier uh professionalism in the off-road racing where people knew you i mean you opened up a lot of doors can you explain that day or that challenge we had well, you know, again, you know, there's uh, it, 
being an individual um, business, quote, owner, and, you know, you mentioned Southern California native, you know, kind of a, uh, a cowboy and Indian type uh, mentality, you know, you just do things and go out and, 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 and tackle things, you know, where the government, you know, you guys have rules and regulations and very strict uh, ways that you have to properly get things done. Well, you know, Colonel, after hanging around with me and dealing in Mexico, you know, hey, I get them done. You just got to go do them and, and, and hope you're doing the right thing. And it works out the way I believed in, you know. And we were in, you were down at one of our events. I think it was the Baja 500 in Ensenada. And you'd come down to, to meet some of the racers and give a talk at our driver riders meeting and explain what we were doing and how the off-road community would be a part of this DARPA program. And we were on our way back. You had to, if I'm not mistaken, catch a plane uh, later that evening and driving from Ensenada to Los Angeles LA airport is quite a challenge in itself, you know, during the day with the traffic. And you had got a phone call and said it's imperative. We've got a serious problem with the Department of Water and Power in Los Angeles about some roads that we have, we said we were going to, uh, traverse on. And I said, well, let's, you know, we got to go meet the guy firsthand. That's my way of doing business. We're not going to go through the normal channels, have someone in Washington call him and go. It'll take a month. And you said, you're right. Let's go. And we just bonsai to put it bluntly. Uh, I won't say that we broke any speed limits, but we did get there. And the guy was kind enough. He thought he recognized <laughs> my name, who was the director of the Water and Power, right in the center of down, downtown Los Angeles. He says, well, I'll, I'll stick around another 15 minutes. And if you guys get here, we could talk. And uh, exactly. God, we just exactly. <laughs> that was a connection. Run, got there with about five minutes to spare. They open the doors for us. We walk in, and here's I think there are three guys waiting to tell us that no, we couldn't do what we wanted to do. And within 20 minutes, I think the two of us was. was fact that this guy remembered me as publisher of Hot Rod and your very, very good uh, explanation of what the program was about, he gave us the approval right then and there. He did require some work that had to be done, but, you know, you, you got right on the phone and got your people together in Washington and said, this is what we need, and lo and behold, boom, that was an obstacle that wasn't an obstacle. Yeah, we got through that obstacle, and then that one in the uh, Indian Nation is the other one that I remember the following. So uh, I love quite. <laughs> I love that one, Colonel. We're, we're <laughs> you'll recall it was outside of um, uh, I think it was Needles, and needles. Uh, we're yeah. meeting with the Bureau of Land Management and um, yeah. the the tribe uh, leader of the uh, reservation area that we were going to go over, and you know. It, it just, uh, I mean, we had to wear so many hats, uh, but that, that's yeah. what was fun, and that's what was challenging, and I think, again, I keep on mentioning Dr. Tether, uh, the guy's a genius. I mean, for him to reach out to score and then to have a guy like you uh, that, you know, your, your government, there's no question about it, but you've, you're also, you know, a human being, and you, you've, you've been out there and hung it out on your own and doing things. And I think that combination really, uh, and all the people that you had around you that loved you there at that back in Washington and stuff, and then you became very, very important in our community, you know, in the off-road community. So it was, yeah. a, it was a challenge 
that um, needed to be taken, and I think Dr. Tether did the right thing and what his idea was in doing it, and he did, uh, out of the box, get the right group to work together. And, you know, it could have, it could have been agony, you know, if, if we weren't going down the same path, but uh, thanks, I think, to you, uh, Colonel, I think it just worked out fantastic. And, you know, in life, you're very fortunate if you do a couple of things right. And I think one of the highlights of my life, for sure, is being a part of, as you call it, today, tomorrow, and technology. And, my God, you know, to, to look back and see what we did and then to look right now and see what's happening in the, in the, in the world with technology and the automobile and say, hey, you know, what I was a part of that and I, I, I will you know always uh, remember that and thank DARPA and Dr. Tether and you Colonel for letting me and the off-road community be a part of it well you're most welcome but uh, uh, I guess that's a mutual feeling both ways I'm just sitting here looking at uh, this is 2004 folks uh, March uh, 13th and uh, we've had uh, uh, media attending the Grand Challenge 2004 was 332 participants uh, estimated print stories 181 65 million readerships uh, television stories 457 not to include radio TV documentaries and the most important thing that we fought hard for, and I had to convince Tony about it, uh, was setting up the uh, DARPA Grand Challenge website where you could be sitting at home and tap into where each of the vehicles were. We had approximately 46 million hits uh, just in those uh, between 310 and 317. And that that's the first there, and that started it all off. But it gets back to the technology. The, your off-road community had the technology. Uh, I remember the wheels uh, 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 shock absorbance, uh, all that stuff just worked. And Glenn Harris and his team and his uh, garage, the way he built, fastened, bolted. I mean, we're looking at GPS, uh, UHF radio, VHF, car phones. I mean, as you said, we had in the, just a chase vehicle alone, we had a government. We had, first of all, a score driver to drive the, so he pays attention to the bot and where the uh, bot was going. Uh, we had a government official to with a kill switch to turn to uh, the race. We had a, uh, a volunteer, which is a, a volunteer so that we have an impartial observer and then another government person doing the recording. So there's four people, but that car, that chase vehicle was a modern uh, 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 command mobile command post because Glenn and his guys did a fantastic job turning uh, th- those vehicles. We had to, uh, 30 of them built. And uh, yeah, times we go out call, there. Colonel, you know what it took when you say thirty. Well, we had to have yeah. spares, remember? Yeah. And where do we get yeah. thirty vehicles? I went out and rented them, if you'll recall. No, <laughs> from a friend of Glenn's that had a uh, international. What is it? The Enterprise a rental company, rental and we company. rented them. Then we had my good friends at BF Goodrich provide all of the tires because we needed to have the best there was in off-roading, and BF Goodrich tires are are the best and we had all of those i mean just the the warehouse alone to store all the equipment that we had to to make each of these vehicles perform and then we had to make sure that you know because if they broke then we really had a problem so this thing was was a monumental task everyone stepped up and did what they needed to do and the end result uh i uh, again, I'm amazed that it, it didn't take longer to do what we were able to do, 
but thank God we were able to get it done. Oh, absolutely. And I'm just looking at uh, the various technology, of course, uh, uh, in our particular race. And the, uh, also, if you take uh, uh, Stanley for the uh, O2 and, and a few others, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, technology came out of that. Uh, we had Georgia Tech do a quick mini gold, silver, bronze uh, technology that came out. But uh, the bottom line today, all the major car manufacturers are doing autonomous vehicle or uh, driverless vehicles, uh, you know. You have one of the uh, leaders, uh, David Hall, uh, inventing the LiDAR, and uh, uh, Velodyne is his company out of Team Dad. And I remember Team Dad driving his truck, and he says, well, I have to impound your truck. He goes, well, this is the only vehicle I have. i got to get back to the hotel. And I said, well, you're, you're going to have to take a taxi or you're going to have to get a ride from somebody. But this is impounded now. So it was quite amusing uh, as we went along. But can you believe? I mean, to me, the word is belief. Uh, I, I think after a little bit, I know I had the belief that we can go over 20 yards. And, uh, and uh, I guess that's what uh, spurred me on. Uh, your motivation, you're teaching me the off-road uh, business, uh, both from the bottom, I mean, from the bottom, the backs, uh, you know, the backside of the of the organization, all the way up to the uh, shaking hands with the governor. Uh, all of that I learned and appreciated from you, and that's really what we did at the Grand Challenge, made it uh, Grand Challenge two that much more interesting. And and I'm real proud because a majority of our uh, racers came back for the Grand Challenge 07, which I don't think would have happened if they'd have had a different team. Uh, but, uh, you know, talk about some of your team members. Uh, uh, you know, you talked about Paul. We talked about Glenn. Uh, Charlie, you know, was there. A few of our other guys were there as well. Well, Didn't you know, answer? yeah, gosh, when you, when you think about a Bill Wick, you know, who is the head of Bill, our yes. uh, volunteer association, because we needed 400 to 500 people at one of my yes. events working yes. road crossings and things of that nature. And Bill brought, uh, you know, uh, those people aboard, you know, to to come to us, and and you know, we had to uh, overpower Barstow, you know, with with the hotel rooms, motel rooms, because we were out there night and day, you know, planning all of this. And then we had Bill Savage, our tech director. Bill is, uh, you know, still involved in the sport, doing great things, and he did the thing with Oshkosh along with Glenn Harris, you know, as a result of the DARPA challenge, the big company Oshkosh. Uh, and you. So PR guy, to, yeah. Um, you know, so it was very interesting. Uh, it's all uh, all very good, and your your writer, your your score magazine developer, your score writer, uh, all that uh, was out. Dominic Clark, yeah, all yeah. those guys. It all we we became one. You know that even though we were not government, we we certainly brought the California West Coast uh, environment to Washington. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Well, folks, we've got uh, a little bit uh, under a minute left. Let me just quickly wrap up uh, the 2004 Grand Challenge uh, 5 and 7 and a little bit of Sal's career. I mean, you're, we had an opportunity to speak to and listen to a off-road Hall of Famer, uh, Mr. Sal Fish, a uh, personal friend of mine. Uh, I loved every minute. We spent about three years together uh, chasing uh, 
the the 14, 15 different routes that we went after. Uh, it was a spectacular voyage. Uh, the 04 laid the foundation for the, what would follow. Grand Challenge today is known uh, worldwide. Uh, self-driving cars or piloted cars are known worldwide. And I'm looking at the top seven trans transportation industry trend safer roads with electronic devices for drivers a lot of those uh, electronic devices came from the challenges self-driving trucks regulation compliance address delivery uh, uh, spreading low uh, cost all the way across uh, the spectrum in the automobile industry well we finally have about 10 seconds let me just say uh, thank you very much Sal for joining me today I uh, appreciate it. We had a great time. Uh, I look forward to our get-together in L.A. or D.C. I also would like to thank uh, D. Daniels, my executive producer, uh, A3, Alexandra Loreno, for just being my executive assistant and making sure everybody gets the word out. And I'd like to thank my audience out there. We are building. We're coming up strong. And I think this mixture of techie and non-techie is fantastic. Until our next uh, um, chat, I'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week.